When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right. So this is Jason Miller, author of Welcome to the Funnel, Proven Tactics to Turn Your Social and Content Marketing Up to 11, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on, they are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Jason Miller, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Thank you for having me and uh, it's great to chat with you. And uh, you're you and uh, the family. You're all doing okay there. I, you're 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 in London, right? That is correct. We are in London. Uh, my my wife is uh, she's upstairs with the two kids. I got a one year old and a and a five year old. So uh, homeschooling's a bit of a challenge. But um, you know we're, we're making do. We have a park across the street from us, and London has been having some fabulous weather lately. So uh, we're making the most of it. Oh, good, good. So. Jason, uh, we're up to about episode 280 or so on the Marketing Book Podcast, and you were an early supporter. You were episode 28. Uh, wow. Congratulations. Back in- <laughs> Thanks. Well, you know, there's nothing else to do. I just keep producing these uh, podcasts every week. and But uh, that was back in July of 2015. And I remember before then, I was serving on a panel discussion in Washington, D.C., and it was about social media. And I had I first I, I mentioned your book. It had come out recently, and I was explaining something. I can't remember what it was, and somebody in the audience held up your book. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> they had your book in the audience, and uh, then they started tweeting to you saying, "Hey, this guy's talking about your book," and he had just seen you speak somewhere and got a copy of your book. So. That was funny, and then from there, I was able to. Uh, well, I guess I got your attention, and then I was able to to get you on the the marketing book podcast. But for folks that haven't listened to episode uh, twenty eight, remind folks of uh, who you are and and what you've been doing. Of course, and and that's that's uh, that's really interesting because uh, I don't think I have any family in uh, Washington. But uh, no, okay. it was somebody who had been attending. It was somebody. Just, oh, oh yes, I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, it was your mom. Uh, no, the, yeah. <laughs> 
No, so um, yeah, so uh, again, thanks. For, congrats on on the run, by the way. And I want to say, like, uh, uh, we have a lot of the same friends, and um, uh, you know, run a lot of a lot of the same circles with marketing friends. But uh, how well respected you are, and within the niche you have here, and uh, how many people uh, that uh, that you've had on the podcast. So, congrats on on just a, a hell of a run there, and it's continuing to go. I love this series. So, thank you for that. First off, um, but yeah, my name is Jason Miller. I uh, we met, I think, when I was at uh, either. The in, when I just started, I think it was at LinkedIn, right? We met at, uh, well, I'd interviewed you, but then I later met you in person. The first time was at the Marketing Profs B2B forum in Boston. And uh, again, this is sort of the, the Jason Miller trivia. There's there's a lot of uh, my mental hard drive space that you're taking up, and it's in a good way because all <laughs> the stuff I've learned about you and, and this particular your book and all the things you phenomenal amount of content you've produced over the years. But I remember talking to you and you were in London at that point. This was 2016. So it was the fall of 2016. Yeah. And I had heard about this thing called Brexit uh, in in the UK. And I knew you had just flown in from there. And I said, you know, I didn't know much about it. And it really seemed to have surprised a lot of people. And uh, so I, I happened to mention it. And, you know, we, we talked a bit about that. And it was before the presidential election. And I remember you were just saying, "Oh, the Brexit thing really surprised everyone." And and then you said, "And I and I, you won't remember this, and I don't even know what your politics are, and we're not going to talk about anybody's politics." But you said, "Yeah, you know, it was really surprising, and I think Trump's going to win this presidential election." And you were the first person I had ever heard who was, I guess, I mean, we all just kind of assumed that, you know, this was, nothing was going to happen. And you said, no, I think there's something going on there. And I can't remember the exact conversation. And then he won, as everyone knows. And I just remember thinking, Jason Miller, what was he thinking? How did he know? <laughs> what did he, what insight did he have into these electorates at, maybe from what you saw in England, but also your familiarity with American voters? Well, I, I had just moved to London, uh, and we were at uh, Can Lion. Me and the team, the LinkedIn team, were at Can Lion. I remember it was the last night. It was a Thursday night. I didn't even really understand what Brexit was. I just moved here a couple of weeks before this happened. We're sitting there having this big dinner, celebrating an amazing Can Lion in, in the south of France, and everyone's <laughs> drinking wine, and they're saying, there's no way Brexit's going to happen. And we wake up in the morning, and of course, everyone was just devastated because they, they you know it won by like one percentage point, right? Mm. Um, and it just changed everything. Now we're out of the EU, and, and what have what's like all this uncertainty and you know the pound took a hit so my salary in two weeks took a hit um and and you know and and i remember i had my i was wearing my hotel california t-shirt that i got from cabo uh a little uh, a little town outside of uh, cabo san lucas where hotel california is and i remember walking to my um walking to get a, a taxi back to the airport and this woman walks up to me and she says Hotel California, just like the EU, you can check out, but you can never leave. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm like too soon, too soon. But then um, the same week was uh, 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 oh, the uh, Microsoft acquired LinkedIn, and uh, you know, like a month later, uh, whatever, um, Donald Trump got elected. But I'll tell you, the only reason I said that is because what happened with Brexit. Again, I'm no expert in politics here, just from observing when you tell people not to do something and then you make them feel you make them feel dumb for doing so 
they're <laughs> they're probably going to to, to do that. Uh, I'm not saying out of spite, but it seems like as soon as you tell someone not to do it and then make them feel bad for wanting to do that or even exploring that idea, they tend to turn on you very quickly. And I think you know who knows. We were I was laying in bed because um, the election results were coming in. And we went to bed with Hillary in a huge lead, and I woke up at a 6 a.m. flight to Dublin, and uh, Trump won, and we were astonished. And, and then, you know, every time I get in the cab anywhere, and they hear my, my accent, or lack thereof, it's always the same thing. It's, uh, here here comes the Trump bashing. I'm like, I wasn't even there. I had nothing to do with it. So. <laughs> oh, they all, everyone, because you're an American, everyone asks you about Trump. Yeah, except, except funny enough, I was in, um, I was in uh, uh, Tel Aviv. I was in Tel Aviv, and the uh, the taxi driver, lovely gentleman, says, "Oh, you're you're American." I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Where are you, he goes, where are you from?" I said, "I'm from San Francisco." And he said, "Oh," and I thought, "Here it comes. Here it comes where he just lays in the Trump." He what goes, the hell's the matter with you people? <laughs> but no, he said, "He said I love Donald Trump. I think he's the greatest." And uh, it was the first time I'd ever met anyone in all my travels who celebrated Donald Trump <laughs> in, in, in Europe or, uh, you know, in Israel, the Middle East. So it was an interesting conversation. That's interesting. I remember in the early 80s, I was living, I lived in Germany for three years and I was in the army there. And so this was after Ronald Reagan had been elected. And again, I wasn't that really much into politics, but I remember once I got to Europe, I got so many questions about Reagan. And the one that I kept getting was, how can you people elect an actor to become a president? <laughs> and I just, that really surprised me. And it, that was the question I got all the time. Like, uh, as if, well, of course, in America, people reinvent themselves more easily maybe than other places and go from one career to the next. Look at Jason Miller. But uh, <laughs> it's as if he stopped being an actor on a Friday afternoon, and then he became president of the United States on Monday. That was sort of the reaction that I, I got from everybody. But it was sort of like, why am I being asked? <laughs> why am I being asked these questions? Oh, that's funny. I yeah, have a feeling. I, I, I know kind of what you're talking about. It had not occurred to me. It's interesting, you know, and, and the other. It's just interesting to see the different points of view, of course, all around the world. But, um, but, but Brexit, man, has just been. I mean, just nonstop. It's been. I don't think anyone still knows what's what's really going to happen, even though we, we're, we're leaving. We're certainly leaving the EU. Uh, I mean, I'm not a, a citizen. My wife has dual citizenship. She's Irish and, and American. Oh. But uh, I, I think we're fine. I, the the uh, you know Irish and um, UK have had such a, a free movement of people for so long and such a great relationship. They say it's not going to affect. So uh, I, I <laughs> we should be fine. I'm not, I'm, I'm not planning on coming home anytime soon. But you know, uh, well, let me go back to the question I asked earlier because you're not, you're Jason Miller's one of those guys who's not comfortable talking about himself. But I want to mention this. You now, are you from? Uh, you said San Francisco, but are you from uh, St. Louis originally or Missouri? Born and raised in St. Louis, um, St. Okay. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. And so you have a rock and roll background. I mean, you were a was it a bass player, a musician in a in a in a a metal band at one point. <laughs> I played in a hair metal band uh, when I was 17, 17 years old. Um, we were called Silent Cry. We had uh, leather jackets with airbrush logos. I had hair down to my butt. And, uh, you know, zebra stripes, spandex, the whole – we had makeup and everything. And uh, I, I, that all came crashing down. Um, the the one day we were watching MTV and the uh, VJ, Ricky Rackman at the time, said, Hey, I got a new band for you. I think you're really going to like them. They're called Nirvana. <laughs> Oh, and we were like, you didn't and we're, that was it. That was it, man. They, like in one fell swoop, the entire hair metal genre of Poison, Warrant, you know, uh, all these bands, uh, 
uh, got wiped out and, you know, the invasion of grunge happened. And it was after that point where I was like, ah, maybe, uh, maybe I need to figure out <laughs> how to get into college <laughs> and do something different with my life. So yeah, and my next move, ultimately you ended up for, I guess, over 10 years with Sony music, right? That was the thing. So I, I figured if I couldn't be in a band, uh, that I would I would work for a music label. I'm just obsessed with music, as as you well know, and mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to live vicariously through through the artist. So you know, I was, geez, I was twenty, uh, I guess I was twenty one, twenty two years old, um, and I was uh, an intern at Sony while I was still in college. A college rep had like three or four jobs, like everyone else. And um, by the way, I'm still paying off my college. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> I realized that the other day, and and but you know it was an amazing time because it was it was ninety nine two thousand you know and I was in charge of uh, these baby bands like they would give us these baby bands these brand new bands and we would try to take them to radio stations and retail stores and try to promote them and get them to the next level and uh, so I you know I was I was hanging out with Corn and Incubus and System of a Down and uh, all these bands that before they were anybody and uh, it was I mean for for a metal kid and his early 20s it was a dream come true we went you know a couple dates out with slayer uh carrie king the guitar player from slayer saved me from getting my ass kicked outside of his tour bus <laughs> one night just for some random jackass you know giving you know some bully outside so crazy stories lots of fun um but yeah i i i was there for 10 years and i watched this industry uh, completely fight digital instead of embracing it. And I think mm. you know what happens when you try to fight you know, digital or fight uh, disruption. Um, you, you, you end up on the losing end. And I think that we you know, see the music. I watched the music industry completely crumble down to where Quincy Jones finally came out and said, quote, honey, there is no more music industry. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had to, um, I think it was in 2009, the last record I was a part of was, uh, I remember the Adele record. The Adele record, and uh, well, we we couldn't give that thing away. We had advanced copies of that taken around to trying to get some buzz. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. I mean, she's one of the greatest voices of our lifetime, but mm-hmm. that record was a tough sell in the beginning. <laughs> and then the uh, the death of Michael Jackson. I remember I, I was in a I was in Amoeba Records when that when that happened, and um, you know everyone wanted physical product. It was the last surge of people buying something physical um, because they wanted something to hold on to to remember Michael by. And um, anyway, so yeah, I, I make a long story short, I quit. Um, I quit there. Quit there. You kept getting kept disrupted, Jason. I think there's a trend here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I started a music blog just to keep my connection, and that turned into you know rock and roll cocktail and the whole photography thing, which is another story. But um, yeah, then I went to I had to go, went back to school and try to figure out what to do. Try to get my master's degree. That was taking too long, so I took a bunch of accelerated courses in digital marketing research, PPC, SEM, everything at UC Berkeley. And uh, had to kind of reinvent myself at the, at the uh, young age of 34, 34 I think it was, <laughs> 30, 32, 34, Jesus, I don't remember. And then I uh, went to uh, Marketo for a couple years and um, got a, a PhD in all things uh, marketing automation from John Miller and, and Maria Pergolino, two of the smartest marketers I've ever met in my entire life. And um, then got in early at LinkedIn when uh, LinkedIn Marketing Solutions first started, and uh, I think it was... It was like seven or eight people on the marketing on the on the marketing solutions team, and nobody even knew what marketing solutions was. And um, yeah, the day I started, my birthday it was July fifteenth, um, and we launched sponsored uh, sponsored content in the feed. It was the first paid offering uh, from LinkedIn in the feed. The uh, the first week I started. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's been an interesting ride. And so, and you were at LinkedIn when Microsoft purchased it, right? Yeah, so three years in San Francisco, then uh, two and a half years over here in London, and uh, got acquired um, right right the same 
Uh, that's the same week that uh, Brexit happened. Like literally the same week. Well, you just really cleared the decks there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it was. I mean, it was a crazy time for me. But uh, I mean, I, I was. I, I moved over to the UK. I moved over to London because, you know, I was thinking about. I think about this a lot. Uh, you know, if you have global marketer in your title. Uh, I found that a lot of times you're not very global in how you think. And so, you know, it, it could be as, as simple as thinking about time zone differences or, you know, campaigns or, you know, just looking at something and, and, and how would that resonate in another country. And so uh, I, I wanted to get firsthand experience. So I wanted to see what it was like to be a true global marketer. And uh, I, I feel like I'm a much better marketer because of that. But, you know, having experience on both sides of the pond is, I think, the most incredible experience any, anybody could have to really get empathy for what it's like um, not for working for a U.S.-based company in a, you know, uh, across the ocean. It's, 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 it's a remarkable experience. Well, and uh, you had, your wife is from Ireland, so I mean that made you kind of international right off the bat. <clears throat> well, she's she's born in New York, uh, born in Long Island, but she has dual citizenship. So, oh, okay, uh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, that's great. And the um, I think I first learned about you, of course, when I was reading so much of Marketo's materials and blog and all that sort of thing. And then you know uh, we went we went from there. And uh, some other things that uh, people may not know about you, uh, you mentioned the rock and roll uh, cocktail, which is this, uh, anyone that follows you on social just wonders how much time you are at home because you post so many photos <laughs> of all these concerts <laughs> that you do. And I guess you're doing most of them uh, in London. And uh, and we'll include a link to that on uh, this episode's show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com. See how we're, we're converging here? <laughs> love it. And uh, that's great. And then the other thing that I just wanted to thank you for is when you got to London, you seems like you traveled even more and you're a phenomenal photographer. And these pictures that you take, I mean, whether you were in Rome or Israel or wherever, it's just, I stop in the feed and, and look through it. It's really great. And I think, did I see that you've actually been trying out more film lately? Oh, I'm obsessed. With, I'm, I'm obsessed with film. I'm like, well, since since the lockdown, I was shooting like a couple concerts a week here in London, and uh, trying to balance that out with my day job and the kids and <clears throat> you know everything else. But um, with, with the lockdown, uh, I was uh, I was looking for new things to explore, and film's always been you know part of my repertoire. But yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with film. I, I I'd be honest with you, I <laughs> I keep buying film cameras. I just got a uh, a Sputnik stereoscopic camera from Russia that was uh, 50 years old, and wow. um, been shooting. Uh, I got a, a huge medium format now from the 80s, and uh, a Nikon from the 50s. And anyway, but yeah, I shoot the film. Um, I've been shooting around in the park here, where, where they you know they allow us for our one hour out. Uh, <laughs> to go for exercise and whatnot, shoot the kids and uh, do portraits of my daughter. But yeah, and then I, I learned how to develop the film myself in the kitchen. So uh, <laughs> I do it all in house. Cool. Well, I think, uh, you know, this quarantine is getting, pushing a lot of people out of their uh, comfort zones, but it's also pushing them into new areas. Uh, you know, like even this knuckleheaded podcaster, he's starting to do this daily series, which won't last forever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just uh, start trying some other uh, crazy things. And the only other thing I got to mention about Jason Miller is you are, uh, if, if I am ever playing Seinfeld trivia, I need you on my team. Is that right? 
every day when I got home from work or school, uh, I would watch uh, I would watch Seinfeld just to decompress. So two episodes a day for probably I don't know probably six seven years. <laughs> It's it's that way you know it's, you can put it on the background you can get some work done check some email it's always on it's like it's funny it's lighthearted and uh, I think Jerry is the uh, he's the best comedian of all time he's he's my 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 Steve Martin right so my my I remember growing up on Steve Martin my father loved Steve Martin uh, he's he's my uh, timeless classic right doesn't yes. doesn't have to doesn't have to go down the controversial road or or put a bunch of you know he doesn't have to curse to make his points he's just funny. And yes. uh, I find that absolutely remarkable and so incredibly, um, you know, unique, I would say. <laughs> and if anyone hasn't seen it yet, he's got a new uh, special on Netflix and, you know, he just doesn't disappoint. And he even makes it, you know, I think he's almost a billionaire now. And he joked at the beginning, he said, look, I don't have to be here. But he was saying that because, <laughs> have you seen it? I, it's on my watch list. He said because he yeah. says to the audience, he was like, because the joke wasn't about him, but he was saying about how, you know, everything's inconvenient these days. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> even you people, it was it was a pain in the butt to get here. You had to find a babysitter. You had to get a ride. Yeah, <laughs> because and I, you know, and I, I didn't, I wasn't sure I wanted to come either. <laughs> but he just yeah, loves he is. loves what he's doing, and he's so good at it. Yeah, Steve Martin comes to I, mind too. I absolutely, absolutely love Jerry and everything he does. So uh, I think he's he's timeless. So this whole quarantine, I you know, I guess I should ask Jason Miller. You obviously saw it coming because you saw all these things uh, coming, <laughs> like like Brexit and Trump. <laughs> but what uh, what happened with you? Did you suddenly have to stop traveling around, or or I mean, what what have you what have you been noticing? So I, you know, I I left Microsoft. I was I was looking um, to take some time off and uh, just you know, I got a couple of books I got to finish up and uh, so I was looking to take some time off. I I, I had a bunch of speaking gigs got, they literally got canceled or yeah moved to, to online. I got one next week. SMX London um, had to move to uh, online. So, but you know, I, I, the biggest thing for me is I'm missing I'm missing the music. I got to be honest with you. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think I got in the uh, the last show. In London, uh, it had to be the last show. It was Morrissey at Wembley, Wembley Arena, and I was photographing the show. And uh, oh yes, I saw really, those. I'm a big Morrissey fan. He was he was brilliant. I, I don't agree with the man's political views or any views, but he's I love <laughs> see. I don't even right. know what they are. I just <laughs> listen to the music. He, he's, he he says some really dumb things. Oh but, really? Okay. But he is majestic. He is a, a brilliant singer songwriter, and I love him. Anyway, so I had to shoot him, um, but. It was the last show of the Morsi tour, and uh, and after and there was a lot of controversy because, you know, it was probably the uh, one of the last kind of mass gatherings, I guess, if you will, that uh, that we had before Boris shut down the country, and um, yeah, it's just been. I mean, the biggest thing for me has been, you know, home. My wife is great; she's been homeschooling Penny, and I watched a little Jack Jack while she's doing that, and she's working full time. She's she's a senior director. At, uh, and tech marketing as well, so she's quite busy. But um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I'm like I'm sort of uh, looking for my next role, but not in a rush. I want to find the right one, and uh, enjoying you know photography, enjoying the kids. But uh, but I do miss the music, and that's uh, the biggest thing. But you know we're lucky. We live we live in South London, right on on the River uh, Thames, right um, right across the street from Battersea Park. So at least we have the 
park. They haven't closed the parks yet. Uh, actually, they just lifted the ban. Um, they're, we're starting to lift restrictions starting uh, uh, a couple of days ago. Mm. But uh, some people are going back to work. I think stores are going to start opening next week. But, um, I mean, the biggest thing for me has just been trying to keep the kids entertained and trying to support uh, my wife and, um, you know, try to learn <laughs> as much as I can about photography and figure out, you know, what the hell I want to do next. Figure out this film, you know, because you're kicking it old school, yo. <laughs> I will tell you this though. There's something. There's you really respect, um, you know, taking a snapshot with your phone so much more. If you get one of these cameras, you hold it, you compose the shot, you take it, you take the film out, uh, and you develop it yourself, and then you hold up the end result. And Jesus, it takes it takes <laughs> hours, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But it is. If you nail a shot, uh, you have a whole new respect, and it will change the way you think about uh, photography. You won't be taking a million shots with your phone anymore. You'll get one. You'll get the right one, and you'll you'll be happy with it. <laughs> yes, yes. It. Uh, my f- late father-in-law, uh, he passed away a few years ago in his 90s, and uh, he was quite the photographer. And he had a Hasselblad. Oh, and yeah. I only mentioned that because I, I know that you would know what it is, and I think we still we still have it. But he was a, just a phenomenal photographer, and we, of course, after you know he passed away, we got you know access to all these photos he'd taken, and it was really uh, just uh, amazing. And, and and you know, I guess maybe deep down inside, I was worrying it was <laughs> it was a lost art. So yeah, that's interesting. It's sort of like uh, it's, for some reason in my head, I just thought of somebody who learns to play golf with a really bad pair of uh, bad set of clubs, and only later do they appreciate <laughs> really good clubs. You know, something like that. So <laughs> that that Hasselblad, man, that's that's one of the finest cameras ever produced. That's a medium format, beautiful piece of work. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you're talking ten. Uh, ten, anywhere from ten thousand dollars up to fifty grand for one of those cameras, and and I have a, a sort of a Bronica, which is a, a sort of a poor man's Hasselblad, <laughs> about six hundred bucks used. But oh, wow. uh, man, that that's a that's a great story. What a, that's a, an amazing camera. If you ever get to shoot that thing, that uh, that will get you some incredible incredible photos. Oh, I'll just have to give it to you. No, I'm kidding. It's not mine to give away. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the one thing my wife was familiar with. Yeah, we should. Well, that'd be a great thing to explore. So. Uh, is there anything that uh, you think is going to have a, I guess, a long-term effect on on marketers and, and content marketing? You know, it's interesting to me that uh, there's a lot of, I mean, everyone's you know coming up with uh, COVID uh, solutions for marketers and um, what your brand should say or what they shouldn't say. And, and I've just been sort of on the sidelines, just kind of reading and watching. But uh, there was a conversation happening on LinkedIn just just yesterday, I was part of where um, I guess they did some research research that said you shouldn't turn off your advertising. Um, you know, just just don't and and don't try to be uh, uh, more important to your audience than you actually are. Doug Kessler, you, you, of course, you know Doug. Yeah, I was on, a, um, I was on a, a lunch thing this this afternoon, a virtual lunch thing with Doug earlier today, and and he said something really nice about um, you know he, he goes what, what did he say? He said um, it was uh, oh. Uh, I think it was like PayPal or somebody sent him a message and uh, about this this really sentimental message about COVID. And he's like, he goes, that doesn't really matter to me. I'm just, you know, you're you're making yourself more important than you actually are to me. And uh, I think a brand just needs to sit back and figure out where they fit in uh, and don't overdo it. And um, some people get it right, some people get it 
wrong. Um, but I, I, again, you know, Doug said something else that I think is really interesting that, that we shouldn't be calling people out or judging them if it's an honest try to do something, um, you know, compelling and relevant. Because uh, we all make mistakes and, and it should be uh, forgiven <laughs> because there, you know, uh, there is no playbook for what happens um, uh, during something like this. So, yeah, I don't know. I think the uh, I think everything's changed, but nothing's changed, right? I think if you look at a lot of the advice that's being given out, it's the same advice I would give out uh, three <laughs> in months any, ago. In any time, yeah. Slow down. Uh, don't be stupid. Don't uh, uh, be as relevant and helpful as you possibly can, and uh, be there when your customers need you. I think. Um, <laughs> that seems to be the message, and I don't see why that's any different. You know? Well, that's that was great advice three plus months ago, but now I think I, I'm I'm heartened thinking that more companies understand that. In other words, going forward, I think that or I hope that more companies are giving some thought to how they're going to be perceived. You know what I mean? Like in the past, they might not have been thinking about, you know, um, to use a word that Doug Kessler would use, just cranking out crap. <laughs> cranking out crap content and talking about themselves and yada, yada, yada. And it's sort of like, I, it seems like a lot more companies are trying to think about, well, how are we going to be perceived? And the reason I mention that is because there seem to be a lot of companies or at least conversations I'm hearing where people are saying, should we even say anything? Should we, should we market? Or another one I hear even more often is, should I, should, should we even be selling now? Yeah, I mean, uh, the answer is uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I think you should just. I think the only thing you need to do is, is you know, I was chatting with my wife about this, and she said, "Why just, just not? Why not just look at your messaging and just maybe tweak that a little bit, right? So it's a little bit more um, sensitive to the nature of of what's happening around everyone." So I think I I I really do think it's business as usual. I think you just need to. Um, take a look at what's, what campaigns you're running, what your messaging is, and uh, and sort of adapt that to what's happening now without being, you know, the overly sensitive, overcaring, uh, trying to be more important to your customers than you, you actually should be, right? Uh, are you getting them what they need? Are you supporting them? Um, you know, Doug also mentioned uh, uh, there was a steakhouse, I guess, in his uh, that he goes to quite a bit. And they weren't trying to sell them anything or trying to do, uh, you know, trying to push any messaging on them, but they were just sending, you know, reports or just reporting on on how they're dealing with it, uh, how they're supporting their, um, you know, their staff and uh, <laughs> what what this means to them and when they reopen. So uh, I think if you have something to say, you know, just be smart about how you say it and don't be, uh, don't try to be something you're not. Again, marketing, I would have said to uh, anyone two or three months ago as well. Yes, absolutely. And also, um, something that seems to be overlooked with a lot of companies or too many companies is this idea of just communicating with their customers. Now, you, you may have dealt with larger ones, but there's a lot of, there's this impulse for a lot of companies to, you know, focus all their marketing on just getting new business, net new business, and maybe <laughs> sometimes ignoring the customer experience and, you know, the sales process and all that sort of thing. And it's sort of like, uh, well, why, why don't you just reach out to the people that are your customers? <laughs> like you just said, yeah. with the steakhouse, I mean, why don't you not worry for a brief moment about trying to get new customers, just let people know what's going on with you. And uh, I've even had some, a uh, couple of authors on this series, you know, authors of sales books, for instance, they are just saying, just call your prospects up <laughs> and say, look, this isn't even a sales call. I was just wondering what, what are you guys up to? What, what's going on? I don't want to talk a business, but you know, or, or how are you doing? You know, things like that. And uh, people are, uh, 
I'm getting phone calls returned. I don't know about you, Jason, but people seem to have time. Heck, I'm even able to get Jason Miller on the phone here. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm at a loss for words right now. People say that a lot when I say really stupid things, so I'm used to it. And, and, and frankly, you're not the first one today, Jason. But um, yeah, I think it's just a little bit of empathy for for what people are going are going through. But even like for some clients, we've got we had some content that we were traditionally sharing evergreen stuff that was very helpful. And I, when we just stopped for a while because we were helping to share information about what was going on and how their customers could get help, even if it wasn't from the client. But then we've gone back to sharing some of this other you know, kind of business, business as usual stuff. But even then when it's being shared in social media, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to couch it in maybe a phrase or something saying, uh, acknowledging uh, what's going on, but not being heavy handed or, or unhelpful about it. So. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I would go back to, you know, an, a, another lesson before, you know, pre COVID that, that still stands true. And it's like, I don't think anyone that one of the biggest challenges marketers always say is, Oh, we need more leads, more leads, more leads. And, and, you know, I've, I've been in that rat race where you get more leads and uh, you fill up this funnel, you fill up the top of the funnel and then the leads, you have a, you have a really poor scoring system or an act an ag in, 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 adequate uh, nurture stream, right? And so, so all these leads go into what I used to call lead purgatory, which is just a place where, where leads go between, before they go uh, uh, into the, you know, into, <laughs> into close revenues or, or do they go back into the wild, whatever. But, um, you know, they, they just get kind of lost. And I, I think the biggest lesson there is, is you, most people, don't, most marketers don't need more leads. They need to get better at, uh, at qualifying and nurturing and, and doing more with the leads they have. And, you know, my wife does, uh, talks about this all the time. And, um, you know, the, there's always the, the big question, the big challenge of like, we need more leads. And I don't think that's ever the answer. I think you nailed it there. Like, uh, get back in touch with the customers, your prospects, make sure that uh, they know you're there, make sure that they, they uh, know you're there to support them and uh, don't push them. Just uh, just be helpful and relevant and, um, you know, focus on, on doing more with what you have. You know, that's interesting. There's an author named Jeb Blunt. B-L-O-U-N-T, and he's written 11 books now about sales primarily. And I've interviewed him a number of times. And one day on an interview, I mean, he wrote predictable, uh, excuse me, um, fanatical prospecting and uh, books like that. And he told me that he's a one of the leading sales trainers, authors in the world, and he gets more business from marketing people than from CEOs or sales leaders. I couldn't believe that. And he said, well, here's what's going on. This is kind of back to your point about they don't actually need more leads. He said that he's hired by a lot of companies where by the marketing people, because the marketing people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they've got everything you know, very rather nicely optimized, like what you just uh-huh. talked about in terms of uh, nurturing and qualification and all that. And there's a, a, a non-existent or a terrible sales process that then happens with the salespeople. <laughs> And I think uh, the marketing people were getting tired of being yelled at because the sales weren't closing. So here's a sales leader who's getting hired by marketing people because <laughs> it's not it wasn't a problem with leads, like you just said. Yeah, I, I, again, I think the biggest thing is is you know the the sales and marketing alignment has been the, the battle has been going on. I still I can't believe we still haven't solved for this yet. But um, you know, I I think uh, you know marketing being held accountable for uh, for pipeline instead of uh, MQLs, marketing qualified leads, is probably a good start. You know, I, I but w- right before I left LinkedIn, 
um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, they had some some really interesting uh, things happening with Sales Navigator, where they were actually taking uh, Sales Navigator um, and and uh, what a marketer could launch a campaign, and then a sales rep could track in Sales Navigator who engages with that in real time. And I thought, man, that is that is the solution. That's it. Um, marketing sales finally coming together in a uh, in a meaningful way where you know marketing launches this campaign and sales can see who's engaging with it in real time at what stage and reach out to them and contact them or or you know whatever they need to do to, to uh, help move that um, that lead to a, a better spot so that's uh, I guess that's where it's all heading eventually but um, but yeah like not in our lifetimes <laughs> probably not no but I think the biggest thing is marketing just needs to be um, Marketing just needs to be held accountable for uh, for pipeline and, and instead of uh, instead, instead of just of a bunch of leads, raw numbers lead. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And there was a another book on the show. Well, there's been a lot of them, but this one particular one that I really enjoyed was called "Aligned to Achieve" by Tracy Eiler and Andrea Austin. They're with the Inside View. I don't know if you ever ran into them in San Francisco. Andrea was head of sales. Tracy was head of marketing, and they basically documented the process they did at their company to get marketing and sales better aligned, which all these studies show that you get faster revenue growth and greater profitability. So Jason, you mentioned you were working some other books. What, anything uh, marketing book podcast listeners would be interested in? Well, I have a couple things coming out. So, uh, Down in Front was uh, did quite well for the, uh, right. the concept photography book. So, I have Down in Front two, which is in the works, and um, that's uh, another passion project. But I have uh, uh, Alive and Amplified. This book I've been working on for about five years, and it's uh, it's about um, you know it's about it's a, I don't want to say personal branding because I think it's a little bit um, I think it's a little bit overdone, but uh, it's about you know um, how to stand out. And uh, think differently, and, and be a, a sort of a more creative-focused marketer uh, in the world of B two B. And it's just lessons I learned along the way of how you know how how I found success and how I found good people to partner with. And um, I sort of chose my own path instead of falling into things. So uh, it's 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 about uh, uh, you know being a, a a more creative marketer and standing out in the pack, if you will. So uh, I guess it's, it's a little bit of a personal branding, but that's uh, it's 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 I've rewritten it a couple of times because it turned out first one first first time around it was a big rant about how much I hated the music business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> finding, okay. And then it turned into this. Uh, oh, here's here's a journey and uplifting story. Um, but it's just like lots of lessons of how to uh, how to find a way to uh, differentiate yourself, and and that would probably be coming out this summer sometime. And oh, wow. um, yeah, and then uh, I have a small book on creativity that uh, that I've been putting together for the past couple of years, based on all my um, keynotes and sessions I've been doing around Europe, and uh, that will probably probably just put that out on it as a Kindle single or something for free. But oh, really? That's, well, uh, that's what I've been working on. Well, I know this guy with a podcast where he interviews authors of new marketing books. <laughs> And I, you know, I think I could get you in with him. Um, it, that would be appreciated. Any, anytime, anywhere, you name it. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm always here for you, Doug. Well, you know that. Th- no, I appreciate it, particularly the one on the the, the personal branding thing, because the live and amplified. That sounds uh, very interesting, and it brings to mind a few other books that have you know touched on a couple things that you mentioned there. I'd have to read it to to see, but they're enormously popular with listeners and just. One of the things that got me thinking about doing this daily series was um, right after the, I guess, mid-March, maybe about two months ago, two months ago, man, 
<laughs> when I stopped shaving, actually. And uh, <laughs> I was hearing from a lot of listeners who were saying, Douglas, oh, man, I've been listening to your show for a couple of years now, and I just got laid off. And you know, a lot of people say, do you know of a book for this or that or whatever topic? And uh, I'm always excited when I'm able to suggest something or a resource or whatever. And uh, this one uh, content uh, marketer in uh, the U.S., she said, I just got laid off. I did not see it coming. I guess I kind of need to reinvent myself. I said, why don't you here's, – here's a link to one interview called um, – on a, about a book called Stand Out by Dory Clark. Yeah. And that was, I think, like the right prescription – and I think so on the show, out of all these hundreds of books, I've had Road to Recognition and also um, known by Mark Schaefer. Mark Schaefer's, yeah. So, One of my favorite people on this planet, Mark Schaefer. That yeah. book is absolutely brilliant. Me too. And so it, it sounds like your book is still going to be different, but it might be, it might have maybe a touch on some of those elements. So it sounds like a very uh, refreshing approach and also live and amplified. It's consistent with that Welcome to the Funnel, Jason Miller music brand hey wait a minute i'm on to you now <laughs> it's an unconventional approach to personal branding meaning it's like it's 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 sort of the uh, the punk the anti-establishment way of uh you know fighting against all things corporate branding <laughs> and yes. doing things doing what's right for the business even though it might not feel right and it makes people a little bit uncomfortable that's oh, how i've no. always been um, successful, but uh, you know, there's a the book. There's a couple books that, you know, I'm um a, one book that really got me going was uh, uh, James Altucher's book. Uh, Re- I think it's called Reinvention, and man, it's just a collection of stories about people who've reinvented themselves, and and he is just so inspiring, just brilliant guy, and hell of a great story behind him. But that book was great, mm. and uh, uh, Mean People Suck. Michael Burner's book, man. Like, uh, yes. I have, I, <laughs> I have that upstairs. I read it over the holiday. Uh, he did a, he did a great job with that. I love Michael too. I've known him for many years, and uh, such such a great guy, such a brilliant marketer. But uh, mean people suck. I, I love the book. I haven't told him that enough, so uh, I will have to make sure I. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was episode. He was on for episode two hundred and fifty, and I'm going to be talking to Michael Brenner in about two hours over yeah. cocktails. I'm gonna Very I'm gonna cool. pass on your uh, best wishes and good vibes to him, and Please he'll do. he'll he'll blush of course and be embarrassed, <laughs> but that's the kind of guy he is. And one you know, it's not about him, but uh, that's that's great. Well, listen, uh, Jason, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, get you here on Authors in Quarantine getting cocktails, and then I remembered what a Seinfeld fan you were, and I realized oh. Authors in quarantine getting cocktails, comedians in cars getting coffee. That's what pulled you in. Yeah, <laughs> it worked. It worked. I, I thought that's. I thought that was what it was modeled after. Is that? It not is. Accurate? Oh no, absolutely. I oh. ripped it off completely with <laughs> with full attribution and apologies to Mr. Seinfeld. And I, you no, know, is it as funny? No. <laughs> but uh, steal like an artist, like the uh, the great book from Austin Kleon, Steal like an artist, one of my favorites. Right, right. Well, then, and as I. Uh, when I first um, got the idea to do this uh, and did it in a hurry, I sent an email out to everybody. And of course I sent an email to you at LinkedIn and I didn't realize you had already left there or Microsoft. And yeah. uh, so you didn't get the email, but then I was able to connect with you and I sent an email out to everybody and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Do you, what do you think? And w- would you be interested in being on it? And within an hour, I heard from a hundred author, over a hundred authors who said, I'm in. Wow. And a bunch of them wow. said, Doug, I'm already drinking anyway, <laughs> and I'm not doing anything. And 
I, I, I joke, but I, I love my authors and the, the, the thing that was motivating them is they wanted to help. They wanted to help somebody somewhere if they possibly could. So just like that you're doing awesome. here. <clears throat> what, a, what a great community, a great community. And, and um, yeah, I'm so glad, glad to hear that. Yeah. I don't think you're going to find a more generous group than, uh, than authors. So Jason, I hope you and the family continue to stay uh, safe and healthy and sane. And I appreciate you coming on to Authors in Quarantine, Getting Cocktails. My pleasure, Douglas. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as always.